cultural things that I don't get or that they don't get, which is kind of cool, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. It keeps, keeps me going anyway. What do you bring to the podcast, the logic or the laughter? <laughs> Hopefully a little of both. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully a little of both, yeah. Well, that sounds logical. So <laughs> how do people find you out there on the Internet, on social media? I think you've got a YouTube channel. YouTube channel, Donald Lloyd Comedy, on the social media. I'm not on Instagram. Um, I am on TikTok. I think it's called Aunt Donna Knows, although I don't manage those things. Uh -huh. I'm not too tech savvy, so I have people that do those things for me. What about Facebook, though? Yes, I have that. Donna Just Donna Lloyd. Lloyd. You'll see it. Donna Lloyd Comedy. You'll see a picture of George Burns and Jack Benny, my favorite comedians of all That's time. That's right. Yes, you do see that. Yeah. Favorite comedians of all time. That's really, that's, that's, uh, it's pretty good company there. So, okay, Donna, everybody at home is poised to watch this movie at the exact same second as we do here in the studio. We're all going to press play together. So why don't you go ahead, Donna Lloyd, and give us that celebrity comedian countdown. Okay, thank you. We're going to go with three, two, one, press. Oh, I'm really excited about this movie. You know, yeah. I heard about this movie because Peter uh, Aykroyd is in this, Dan Aykroyd's brother, who was right. a part of, uh, I guess, the fourth season of SNL. And then yeah. he wrote uh, theme songs, songs for, his, for Aykroyd's movies. Right. And he was in some of Aykroyd's movies. Uh, you might, but you make money off the songs, right? If you write the song to Loose Cannons, every time that plays, they get a little royalty check. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it can be very tiny, but if you're talking about millions, it adds up, you know. He was in The Coneheads. He was in Dr. Detroit. Um, yeah, that's so the really it. That's really, you know, they, they, were, they weren't, um, uh, they, they were good bro buddies, brothers, friends, right. and they co-wrote uh, screenplays together. Um, let's see. Um, Nothing but trouble in the early '90s. Peter wrote oh. the story. Dan wrote the screenplay. Um, Co-created the Canadian sci-fi show Sci Factor, which and... makes sense because Dan Aykroyd is also into like UFOs and yeah. psycho bullshit. So they must have had a charming childhood where they they uh... did uh, 88 episodes of that. And yeah, probably in their childhood, like Dan's going, "Look at that! Look what! Look up at the sky! Look at that!" He goes, "Holy crap!" It's yeah. beautiful. There must have been a bunch there of them. There must have been. You know what? Peter was probably uh, saying, hey, you know what would be great? And Dan Aykroyd pulls out a pen. No, Peter, tell me. <laughs> you know? But also, we should mention Peter Aykroyd passed away in November last year. He even yeah. got a, um, like a, a memorial a on SNL. Really? He had an untreated hernia. Untreated. And he died just before his uh, 66th birthday, like a couple weeks. Except. Uh, caused wow. by an untreated abnormal hernia. So I think he probably shouldn't have died. He uh, he probably, you know, is sort of like a mistake. It's a real shame. Uh, I, I kind of, I knew of him through the, through different things, but I have always heard about this movie, The Funny Farm. I had no idea what it was about. I just yeah. knew that Peter Aykroyd was in it. Uh, I saw it listed on FilmRise streaming, and I said, shit, if FilmRise has it, YouTube has it, and God bless it does. And the movie's about stand-up comedy. Yes. 
that's right. Now, what we're watching right now is um, a guy named Mark Champlin. And Mark is heading from his home in Cleveland, Ohio, all the way out to L.A. to become a big comedian. And he's, he's not going to New York City? Right. He's going Mark. to L.A. So Mark Chaplin is not driving in the early 80s to New York? <laughs> no. Okay. You yeah. think that would be the destination for com – okay, this is our director. Oh, pumping gas in the HBO vanity plate? You wish this movie was on HBO. This is Ron Clark. And he is our director, and he's making his cameo. Nice. And he's yeah. like, where are you going? L.A. to be a star like Robin Williams. And he goes, who? How many times will Robin Williams' name uh, will be name-checked in this? Two times. Early, a few times. Okay. Two times. Yeah. Two times. Twice. Ooh, a little cassette. Is this like a willpower? It's like I, he's going to listen to Steve Martin. He's going to listen to George Carlin. He's just yeah. – he's, he's listening – uh, you know, this was a time before you could catch any comedian ever. Right. So he has the album, you know. The, and hopefully they paid the comedians to be in this movie. You know, I like uh, Steve Martin. Oh, so this is another Steve Martin movie I never saw. Oh, you mean you mean the comedians were hearing the voice? Yeah, on the uh, cassettes while he drives cross country. Yeah, interesting question. Did they? Did they have to. They have to get royalties. I'm sure it's probably. In the now, here he has arrived in Los Angeles, but in truth, he's in Montreal, Canada. Thank you, Carl, for telling me that up front so I don't have to – because we're both Los Angeles natives, and we uh, it infuriates <laughs> us to no end when we can't recognize – oh, the comedy tree. So he, he wanted to go to the comedy tree, and it's literally closed. It was burnt down. It ha a fire has occurred, and there is noticia – no, nos entrada, because it's burnt. So do you think the comic on stage was like, the roof? The roof. The, the, roof, the is roof is on fire. And we're like, hack. Shut up, hack. <laughs> no, but I'm being serious. The roof. The roof. The roof is on fire. We heard it. So we don't give a damn. Ooh, juggling. Yeah, so he finds that the, the club, the tr comedy tree, it's, it's gone. And so he's sort of wandering around and he's bumping into Greg. His name is Tony Malsworth in real life. And Greg will let him know about a comedy club called The Funny Farm. That's now, where it's all happening now. We, now, even though we are Los Angeles natives and comedians, we're not going to pretend we know the history of Los Angeles comedy, which I'm sure this movie is mirroring and mirroring in, in close to near time because this is 83. This isn't mm -hmm. like dying to get. Oh, what was that? That Showtime, Jim Far, uh, Carey TV show? I'm dying up here, which was a, a two season show about the comedy store. Oh, okay. Oh, so, gosh. I, I, I missed that one. I, I did see Crashing on HBO. Uh, but that's a New York comedy scene, right? It's and this, and it's not reprising the late seventies, early eighties. No, no, you're right. You're right. It's a better analogy, the Jim Carrey one. And the thing is, like, okay, it's a movie, so I forgive it. But it's like he's bumping into exactly the right person who's friendly and helpful. Yeah. Well, but okay. I believe a comedian coming into Los Angeles on the first night would drive straight to the comedy tree and then harass them, a street performer to find out where another no, set is. Harass is not the right word. It's all very nice and friendly. Oh, hey, there's the wall. Where's my picture, Carl? 
Yeah, you're not. It's it's prior to your arrival. Now, this was a comedian. Uh, her name is Majori Gross. Ma Ma oh, Majori Gross. Marjorie Gross. Okay. And she really went on to be a writer. She wrote for all, including Seinfeld. She wrote for a lot of things. Wait a minute. I know who you talk. She passed away. They they credit yeah. her. As, yeah. Like... Really got ripped off. She died of ovarian cancer at the age of forty. Wow. Yeah, it's, she's really died young. And um, let's see here. She wrote one of our favorite shows was Get a Life. She wrote five episodes. Oh, how fun! I love that show. Yeah. Uh, she's all over the place here. The Larry Sanders Show and New Hard and Alf. And she was a writer. She started as a comedian. Now we're meeting Gail, and I guess you're going to want to say she's like the comedy store lady. Mitzi Shore. And that's probably her husband. No, or that somebody. Okay, the guy she's talking to is the owner of the club, and his name is Harvey. Really, it's a guy named Derek McGrath. You might have known him from uh, Cheers. He was the guy, person who was going to, like, strangle Shelley Long. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> now, listen, did Mitzi Shore have a reputation for sleeping around with the comics? Uh, according to whom? The comics from the early 80s? Well, I mean... I'm just saying, in this movie, that's one of the main things about Gail. She's scared of earthquakes, and she sleeps with the comedian. Okay, so just, just for being alive on planet Earth, here's what I know about Missy Shore. Missy Shore opened up the seminal uh, comedy store and redefined comedy, and pretty much everybody in there became superstars, yeah. uh, came out of comedy. And then she was, you know, she was a club owner, so she, well... She owned it with her husband, who was a long-standing comedian, like Paul mm -hmm. Shore or something like that. I forget. Yeah. Not Paulie Shore. Paulie Shore is her son. Right. Uh, I forget his name, but he was a he was a big-time comedian who was always at the B level. He opened for all the big guys. Yeah, I think and he opened for his a son. Comedy club makes sense for him. You know, that's the way to get rich and get known if you're not really, you know, making it. All so, the so, so this, this, I guess the story story is that he owned it, but Mitzi was the brains and the power behind it and yeah. uh, ran it. And uh, I know there's a reality show called Minding the Store where Paulie Shore uh, resumes uh, control of the of the comedy store because his mom's ailing. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like how this camera. So Ron Kraft, the director, is like, "Here's your next comic. Here's picture on the wall." Uh, Ron, oh, is this, this, yeah. this is is this Peter, Peter? That's Peter. Yeah. What's what's his act? Um, he he's funny. Let me remember what he's. Oh, oh uh, he's kind of um. He okay. See, I gotta say this is very interesting because we've been following Miles or or Mark. Yeah. To literally drives up to L.A. and he walks in the club and then the camera immediately. Flies away from him. Oh, look, you're not going to fuck me? I'm out of here. Yeah, exactly. So he, it's basically establishing this is where it's at. This is our – okay, here's Howie Mandel, and I was a fan back in the day. Me too. I had his album. It's like a glove. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was a prop really comic album. Yeah, he's a prop comic, and he's going to do a few props here. But what the director's doing is letting us know this is the setting for the uh, uh, 
movie. And the reason is it's where the comedy is happening. Now, this isn't an open mic. It is like in front of real people, but it so feels like an open mic. Yeah. Yeah. And all the comedians know each other. Like half the audience is comedians. Now, it was weird when Gail said, give her the light to, um, to Marjorie. Yeah. They flickered a light that the whole audience could see them flickering a light. You I've know been to stuff. clubs like that. There's some oh, clubs that, well, there was a club called Doc's Lab in San Francisco, and unfortunately it closed, but they built it from the ground up. And uh -huh. one of the things they did was they had a light on the wall, like kind of like a submarine light with that kind of like metal around it. And yeah. it was very clear. And if you're in the audience, you could pick up what it is. So this uh -huh. is not Los An this is not Los Angeles. This is not Hollywood or Sunset it, or uh, Melrose. Right. In the movie it's Los Angeles and it's the Pony Farm, the you know, the happening club. In reality, yeah, this is Montreal, Quebec, wow. Canada. Which well, is wow. crazy. Well, a lot of I guess Peter Ackroyd was Canadian. And so uh, is Howie Mandel Howie and Mandel. So, uh Marjorie. Th these are com uh these are Canadian comedians. Okay, look, I got to go uh, uh, network, Carl. I'll be right back. Hey, great okay. set, buddy. You were great. great hey, set. can I get a smoke? Hey, you guys smoking pot? You guys smoking pot? Can I join? This, this guy, this is Sammy, and he's selling jokes. <laughs> oh, yeah, as one does. <laughs> right. He's got a special tonight, one joint. One joint, and he'll give you a, he'll give you a joke. That's a, that's a good deal, because I would milk Sammy, that joke to death. In the plot, Sammy is the son of the very famous comedian, uh, Philly Beekman. And they'll go visit Philly, and the director tries to show us the contrast between the established comedians who are like uh, Milton Berle types. The Vegas and the guys. the new comedians today. The young yeah. comedians, right? Isn't that the yeah. HBO term? Yeah. The young comedian young special. Comedians. Oh, is he? So I know this guy. This is the pinky in the brain guy. Yeah, that's right. He's all about doing impressions, and that's what he does throughout the entire film. Yeah. And he does impressions when he's not on stage, which kind of bugs me. Like, we don't get together as comedians and do our acts off stage, you know? I know, Carl. Um, don't you hate it when a comic is doing their act? You're like, hey, what's up with the world today? And they're all like, <laughs> I, gotta, I haven't got to the tag yet. So his name is Maurice LaMarche, and yes. he was a Canadian voice actor from Toronto. Yeah, Pinky and the Brain, and he was the brain. Um, he's a lot of stuff. I mean, I even – I recognized him. That's like how much shit voice talent work he's done. I actually recognized him when he popped on screen. Uh-huh. You recognized his face. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's re Well, I, could, I recognized Tara uh, Strong. I recognized Frank Welker. Mm -hmm. Oh, drunky pissed in his pants. Yeah, and he goes, well, now that's funny. <laughs> so he would go on to be in Zootopia. He was Mr. Freeze from Batman. He was wow. in Yosemite Sam from Looney Tunes, a, a more modern one. Yeah, but, no, he's the king my, of it. When my kids were young, they used to watch The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, and it turns out he was in that too. So his name's huh. Dickie in the movie. All right, so fair enough. There's there's his impersonation, uh, 80s stuff. Hello, I'm Carl Sagan. Billions and billions. Yeah, you're hey. right. He's doing Jimmy Carter. He's doing. Uh, you're right. He's doing contemporary. Can I can I do my Ronald Reagan? 
Yes, go ahead. All right. Ronald Reagan, where's your uh, where do you get your drinking water? Well. <laughs> Very funny. Damn that. Well. Grand slam. Well. Now, sometimes I'm wondering why do they have fake names? I mean, like, uh, for instance, M M Mark Champlin in our film, his real name is Miles Chapin. So why not oh. just make him Miles Chapin in the film? You know what? It's a fictitious film, and they decide to kind of divvy up. I'm trying to think if I've seen, like, there's a lot of comedy. How many comedy movies have you appeared in where someone shows up with a camera making a, either a documentary or, like, a, uh, a expose? I was about to say zero, but I guess one. At the Wawa Social Club, this guy is making a documentary, and he just filmed every night. So I was only on one time. It was an open mic, so it was all new jokes. But luckily, luckily, I hit. So maybe I'll be in this documentary. I'll uh, probably never even know when it comes out. It's going to be nothing, you know. Yeah, it's going to be nothing. I did one. I was at a uh, comedy competition, which I don't even – it's a show. At the end of the night, it's a show. It has nothing mm -hmm. to do with, with the competition. And some guy was, like, unannounced recording it. So I'm listening on IMDb for his little magic special documentary. Uh, I was on public radio, a uh, documentary on comedy, and – I told one new joke that I didn't like, and that was the joke they kept. Cause oh, it brought, great. It, Thanks. And then, uh, uh, what else? Oh, gosh. Oh, and then uh, a friend did a, like an expose, like a fictitious thing in a comedy club, which we taped. I'm in a couple of those. I'm actually in a documentary called The Comedy Club about Cobb's Comedy Club. I think cool. it's where Tom Sawyer's wife yells at me for not cleaning a table properly for a space they never used, which I knew at the day of. Uh, but who knows? Uh, I heard it was an unwatchable documentary, but it's finally released, and they're using it as a benefit uh, recently for Will Durst, uh, which is terrific. He's a great comic, and anything to help him out at this time is terrific. So I like the documentary now. Did you get it. an IMD credit? IMDb credit? No, I didn't. You know, I signed a piece of paper, or I didn't sign a piece of paper. I only heard about the movie about eight years ago where uh, I had a weekly Facebook page for a weekly show event I had, and... Uh, the guy who did the movie started posting on my site, but I had, mm -hmm. you know, I had to be approved and I kept declining it. So we've met now the love interest. So what's happened is he knocked over the waitress's tray and it was a big thing. And Gail said, you're a twerp. And, you know, it was like a negative, but the uh, right. out of it is he's now meeting his love interest and she's taking him to where the comics hang out after. So this is a waitress at a comedy club. He's, Dating the waitress immediately? Yes, immediately. And she is an actress. Now, you know, once again, like, I forgive it because it's a movie and they got to move it along. Right. Um, and, co and comics and waitresses do date. I suppose, Wait staff, yes. I should say. Wait staff and com comedians. So now he's, like, not being funny. Like, we're supposed to think it's funny. Like, he pulled out a... Uh, Polaroid. Right. It was really a napkin. He, he pulled it out of the, you know, and he's saying, shake this. If it doesn't develop, take two aspirin and call me in the morning. Something like that. Uh, yeah, try too hard, man. But yeah, also, you don't, you don't. She's, um, she's really all about soap operas. Uh, she's not a comedian at all. That's not why she's in this film. Her name is Tracy Bregman, and she was on Young and the Restless and The Bold and the Beautiful. That's her claim to fame wow. really this is something she just did yeah well that's good i mean if she could deal with soap operas she could deal with comedians 
Look at they're all I assholes. Yes. Is this supposed to be cancers? This is like we're seeing that they're crazy. See, he's doing his impression. Peter he's doing he right. I could tell by the eye. So that's the thing. Like, uh, it's just not true that offstage comedians are crazy and kooky. Look, he goes, "Don't try to toss salad." <laughs> oh yes. His <laughs> his lettuce is his hair. me, but it's okay. It's a movie. Yeah, but you know what? Usually comedians are just terrible to be with, especially the the popular ones. Like if you know, you first you know, go to a scene and there's say, a table. I gotta say that like comedians are just people, and there's a million of them, and, and they're all granted. different. Granted. If you listen to comedian countdown, I mean, I, I I hit fifty comedians last year for you guys. Now look, like people say, you gotta be suicidal if you want to be a comedian. Comedians are just crazy. Ugly. Okay, it's true a lot of them are like that. A lot of them are antisocial and stuff. But it's just not true that that is the comedian. There's just too many. No, that's true. But, I, I mean, I've seen, like, just claim, you know, part of it is that there's a vulnerability on stage. So when you perform, you're, you're basically exposing yourself. And uh -huh. yeah. some comedians build a way to deal with it by being, you know, it's a sole proprietorship business. You yes. don't have to be friends with anyone. And in fact, you don't even have to be polite to anybody uh, because you, it's all about the performing and, and, and working. And so, you know, I, sometimes because you're so vulnerable on stage, I feel comedians are assholes. It's the people who quit comedy are still assholes. Then they become assholes. Then there's like no <laughs> excuse. Like if you're a former comedian and you're still being an asshole and taking stuff and <laughs> bad mouthing people, just like maybe it's you. You know, <laughs> yeah. this is his uh, house. This is where he lives at the Starlight Motel. She will way too quickly ask him to move in <gasps> with her and become Ooh. in a relationship. Uh, wow, they're kissing. Yeah, they. Yeah, he's this whole movie. He moves fast. He goes through everything so fast. So it, this is like January first. This is like a, a a year of this guy's life. Well, it, he just arrived. He just arrived in town. He learned about the funny farm. He went there, and now he's kissing girls. Yeah, and now he's at the new talent audition. Oh, look at this. The open mic. Oh, and look at all the crazy costume people. There's always okay, crazy. Okay, so what happens here is you and I know um, that comedy doesn't really have an audition night in which you go up and see who's, you know, like, we're looking for new talent. No, rather... On a weird night like a Wednesday when the bar's not going to make money, they hold an open mic. And it's really just, I wouldn't say a ploy. It's, I'll use the word, though. It's a ploy to get people into the bar so they can make some money on a, on a weird night. You know? Sure. And listen, that's when uh, you might get, I mean, I did that at Scotty's, and I got a job there as like a maitre d' kind of thing, and that meant that I could host every now and again. So in a sense, it hugs reality, but it really wasn't an audition, you know? It was just... Well, you so know, like, I, I... That's I what do they're this. doing here. They, people are lining up like, I'm going to be the next star! It's not, it's, it's not really the world of comedy. But I do know, like, you know, if they're doing three different shows, or like if it's Los Angeles, if it's Los Angeles, they might have a 6.30 show, an 8 o'clock show, and a midnight show, and a 10 p.m. show... All right, let me those... talk about that then, right? Yeah. What really happens in 
the comedy world, and I think you'll back me up on this, is that you have at a comedy club a host, a feature who does like 30 minutes, and then the headliner does like an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. That's really the formula, uh, whatever club you go to. This, this club on their Saturday nights, like they have 20 comedians, and they all get up there, and they don't do a set amount of time. They just go until Gail says, that's it, give them the light. That's ridiculous. Oh, are these examples of the open micers, the the two, the the housewife, and then the kid? Yes, and they're Is not it... open micers. They're going. They're they think they're at an audition. They're on an. They're going to audition night. But I know that you know some some clubs here in Los Angeles they do have technically an audition night. I mean it's a showcase, uh -huh. but basically you know you meet the people and they say okay come perform on on Tuesday. At the Is it a bringer? No, but you know they have other shows that night, even for Tuesday. So, so uh, maybe it is there. Maybe there is some reality to the yeah. audition I feel, night. Hey, it's all groomins or mans. The mans or groomins Chinese theater. Uh, I don't know. Even though I live, okay. Here we have Steve Allen. Oh, and Bel Air. Does he know he's in the movie? Probably. Uh, now, one of the first things Ron Clark ever did, this director, listen, he's only directed two things. He's not a director. He's a writer. Okay. And his, like one of his very first gigs ever in 1967 was the Steve comedy, uh, Steve Allen comedy hour. So he wrote eight episodes of that. Oh, so he got his buddy in there. Yeah, so I guess that's how he knows. Listen, let me talk about this director as a writer for a minute. Sure. He wrote the screenplay. Look, maybe he was one of a group. I don't know. But The Revenge of the Pink Panther, um, High Anxiety in 1977, Silent Movie in 76. It's good. Three good movies. Revenge is okay. I think that's the one with the parrot. Yes, that's one with a – that's a true Pink Panther movie, not a bullshit let's make some money movie. <laughs> like The Curse of the Pink Panther. <laughs> oh. I, I, I think Clouseau is in an outtake coming up next. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We are, yeah. Now okay. here, he was also a writer for Pat Paulson for president. Um, two Smother Brothers comedy shows in the 60s. Danny Kaye TV show was his second one. He started Jackie Gleason. Uh, so this guy has been a serious writer. Uh, Paul Lynn show, Rich Little show, uh, Jackie Mason, The World According to Me. Uh, oh, wow. He's all, he's all over the place as a writer. Well, that Jackie Mason show was big back then. Uh, let's see. I think it was the year, okay. Uh, like 86, maybe. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. oh, he's going up. Hey, man, good set. Good set. Don't choke. So he's I can't believe go you're off, and he's only going to do like three minutes. And they'll say... Gail's, and he, did you see he, he had this traditional um, tape player? That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so he, it wasn't his smartphone. Wait, so did he, he just get heckled by a comic? Yeah. Yeah, he got heckled by a comic. All right. He's going to do essentially three minutes and he's going to have one giggle at the end. But Gail's going to say, That was good. That was really good. You can work here. Parking cars. Ooh, like Sam Kinison watching the door. He's going to be a valet. Oh, wow. So that must have been a really bad set. Hey, it's really great to be here. I wonder if he's doing my, if he's eating it, he's probably doing my act. 
Hey guys, have you ever tried? I'm sorry, I'm, I got here so late. I feel really sick. I, uh, I had the green bread. You guys know the green bread on top of the refrigerator? <laughs> I mean, it was fine when I moved in. The green yeah. bread. I thought it was healthy. I thought it was vegetables. Yeah, I thought it was vegetables. I thought it was plant-based. It was a growth. So he's eating it, huh? Look at that. We hate you now. Well, he's not really eating it. They like them. They like them. No, the comics are talking. Yo, hey, uh, I have a joke for you. What do you call a comedian who heckles? Not a comedian. There. I said my piece, Carl. Sorry, I just got myself a seltzer. What do you call a comedian who heckles? Oh, you're killing me. Uh, not a comedian. Another comedian. Not, Not a comedian. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, you're a heckler. You're not a comedian. Yeah. Maybe you heckle a comedian, you're you're not a comedian in my eyes. So the the main heckler at Scotty's, right? He's like one of those insult comedians. Oh, he left his he left his thing on stage. <laughs> oh, did he? Yeah, he left his the the comic the host called him out. He said you left your uh, tape recorder. Oh, that's funny. How could I have missed that? I saw this film like four times. You didn't have that sinking feel- feeling. I had that feeling in my stomach. That's why I recognized it. Oh, I left my phone. Shit. 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 I really wanted to listen to that set I ate. Anyway, thank you. Once at the Broadway Comedy Club, somebody left their drink up there, and I made a whole big thing out of it. <clears throat> oh, do you ever like pick up someone's book if they leave their notebook? Uh, there's a lost and found at Scotty's and there are some comedians. Uh, okay. Here's the guy who's on cheers trying to strangle Shelly long. Um, oh, okay. So this is Mr. Shore. He, I guess he's just in this film. He's not related to her. He's just the owner and he's up there and he's like doing some very bad joke, like a frog in a blender kind of joke. I think you, uh, saw this film. And so someone goes, there's an, there's, Please, an important announcement, important announcement. He goes, oh, excuse me, there's an important announcement. And he goes, get off the stage. Hey, that's not funny. These are the comics pissing on the owner? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that I got a bite of music. They piss on Gail and they piss on the owner. Yeah, that's not cool. Oh, yeah, here's the message. Oh, oh. there's an important message. Oh, oh it's Mike Spiegelman's set. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to open with the green. Or... I'm not opening with the green bread Spiegelman. You got to rewrite the list. I'll close with green bread. Mike, do you care when you go up? Okay, you're first. <laughs> no, of course not. I'm a, you're first. Important meeting. Oh, I don't. I didn't really want to go. You're not Get really first. You're stage. you're second. You're not really going first, Carl. You're second. You see, because I'm the host, and I'll do a few minutes. Yeah, and then you'll be the second comedian, and then yeah, the third pro- the third comedian will be me because I'm going to go up again, and then the fourth comedian will be the second comedian. And then the fifth comedian will be me again. And then the sixth comedian will be the third comedian. It's easy as pie. You're not first. Now go. <laughs> Don't you hate when, when hosts do like five full minutes in between people? I hate that. Yeah, I do. And uh, I, I'm looking at you. I hope every comic went cold when I said that. Oh, is that her casting couch? There you go. Yes, this is her casting couch. But that's not what she's going to do. She's basically tricking this guy into becoming a valet parking attendant no i i did see this but i i'm just gonna say this once carl and uh pretend i never saw it 
Ella Burson is really acting in this movie. This is a yeah. terrific performance. She's a real lived-in human being. Yeah. Uh, and you can see her as the brains of and and the disrespect she gets and yeah. how it feels on her. And it's like a real lived-in performance. I was just stunned by it. So anyway, just getting back, we'll get back to our little Miles and our Howie and our, our other comedian friends acting, but it, it's a real difference to have an actor in this movie. An actress, yes. Now, I'm going to talk about her, but I have to interrupt myself because this guy is like the only real comedian who goes to the funny farm, apparently. And he's really good. And everyone uh, really loves him. Um, in the film, he's called... He has bongos, Carl. Is his name Andy Kaufman? <laughs> yeah. Well, he is a crazy person. And we'll find that out as the film goes along. Here it is. It's Bruce Nutter. His real name is Mike McDonald, and he did have a career. In real life, he was bipolar. Um, there's some club singer named Johnny Vegas who's famous. He's the older brother of him. But um, he is good in this. Yes, he's got his bongos. Yeah. He's... And he's taking pictures, and he's acting creepy with women. Why do you... Anytime there's a something sexual, you have to make it creepy. You well, know, is he on stage? Is he in know, control? Mike, are you a born again Christian? And yes, sex I am. Is creepy. Look, did these girls look like they're creeped out? I think they want to be up there with him, right? All right. Is he going to ask them to, to take their clothes off? What if he did, Mike? Why would that be creepy? Because uh, he's taking photos. All right, I get it. It's funny. All right. Again, I saw Howard Stern live like 40 years ago. Who am I to Mark, say? There are, there are advances. Mark. There are, oh, excuse me, Mike. Mike, there are sexual advances that are unwanted, and those are creepy. Every sexual advance in the world is not unwanted. Every sex thing in the world is not. And another thing is children. If there's ever any children on the screen, you go, oh, my God. Like, okay. what? You want to fuck children, Mike? He would. Wait, are there children in this movie? No. Then no, of course not. No, but we saw Bugsy Malone, and you were like, this is sick. What's sick? It's cute. It's They're a little inappropriate. It is not inappropriate. Bugsy Malone is a little inappropriate. It, uh, because uh, Jodie Foster was being sexy or something? She was. Hey, when was the last time you, you were in a club and they had a copy of Variety in the office? <laughs> well, it's 1983. All right. Well, yeah, you're right, because this is the powerhouse. Listen, I'm eating my cake and having it, too. I'm saying this movie is sexist while I'm looking at this woman. So there we go. <laughs> now, this is uh, – that's what he's saying. He's the only real comedian we've got. And uh, I kind of don't know what that means because it's supposed to be a comedy club, and those guys are all the – Chosen performers, Peter oh, Aykroyd. This, this, this is Andy Kaufman. He's telling the audience to come out and I'll do a new performance. Kaufman did that. Well, you know what's funny? Steve Martin did that. That was oh, interesting. Steve Martin's first. When Steve Martin first had his routine, he would go to San Francisco. He would go to he, – he would uh, take the people outside. Now, he had to learn to – only do it after they dropped checks and got their money, you know? Right. This was a Steve Martin move. He discovered it by mistake one day. I read from his book. Um, he was saying, okay, that's it. Show's over. And everyone thought he was being funny. And he goes, no, seriously, show's over. I'm going outside now. 
and everyone started to follow him. And he was out by some like abandoned pool and he walked down into it and they all stood around the pool as he kept going. So he, by that weird night, he made it into a thing. He, he would take everyone out into the street and then he would leave. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. I always thought, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I tried I, to find like a YouTube clip of it or something. I never could. Oh man, that would be so much fun to watch old, old Steve Martin videos. Yeah, because the old Steve Martin videos we see are after his Saturday Night Live and albums, you know. We see his polished, uh, I've never seen a Steve Martin uh, unfamous open mic kind of thing. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you have the comedy albums, which he performed uh, in San Francisco for the first album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then on Red Rocks, right, with Side B, was it? No. I don't remember. I remember, excuse me, that was all in San Francisco. Right. It was like the works. God, it was uh, like the Fisherman's War, not the Fisherman's War, but it was like some weird uh, name. Yeah. He'd, so when I remember my first beer, that was San Francisco. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Steve Martin had a heckler in the audience and he didn't pay him any mind. He just said, yeah, I remember <laughs> my first beer. Which is like he nailed that one. Like, yeah, you can't use that line. Of course, it made it onto the album. That's why he, he nailed Yeah, I know. Sometimes like, like, um, I I thought to myself, okay, I'll say alcohol lowers your inhibitions or something like that, but I never had the chance. There's a joke in this one when it feels so bad. Howie Mandel goes like, um, I was trying to catch a plane, but they go like 600 miles per hour. I want to steal that joke. What's the way you explain the joke? I was well, trying I to would catch- say like I would say like oh man I have a hard time catching planes. Anybody else here? I always have a hard time catching a plane. I mean they go like four hundred miles per hour. Yeah, but when you say catch, then we know what the joke is. No, well catch a plane, you know. A, it's, yeah, it's You're a right. good redirect. It's a good redirect. Well, because it's the phrase. That's what's funny. There. So he's woken his girlfriend up at three in the morning and he's like, I have a persona now. I am a wasp. Nobody else is the comedian. You've got the lesbian <laughs> comedian, the Hispanic comedian. You've got the, you know, but oh. nobody's a wasp comedian. If I may. So, so comedians have to pander to white audiences so they won't, so they can immediately be liked and, and do their time in peace. So it's like, oh, I see a Mexicani or whatever they say in this movie. Yeah. And he's like, he watches that. He goes, shit, I'll just say I'm white. I'll do the same ethnic humor, but I'll say I'm white. Uh-huh. Well, and you then- know, you're right about that. And I really didn't appreciate it in this film. Film. The the guy, his name is Dino in real in the real world. Let me see if I can find it. Lou, Lou Dino as Miguel. He was only in three things, but you're right about that. He got up there and he did... Uh, he did stereotypes about Latino people that white people would appreciate. Yeah, uh, the fry cook. Right, and he did his horrible accent and stuff. And then when the black comedian goes up, he goes, "Can y'all see me, or should I smile?" I uh-huh. just—it's just so like pan. Um, what's the word? It's like—it's uh, a bunch of things. It, it is pandering. Uh, it is, it's, uh, it's, it's pandering kinda... to like the worst in us, yeah. you know, it's you're black. So you gotta make it about being black, but he made it about like how a dummy white person would make a black joke. Like, I don't know. I didn't... Oh my God. These comedians have day jobs. How strange. 
Yeah. Now this yeah. is the pinky in the brain, and it's his day job, and they showed up to fuck with him. Oh, and Howie Mandel has his handbag. Yeah. It's, it's a handbag. His handbag. Yeah, I, I I getting back to like the it is kind of pandering and also like the material is aimed for white clubs, you know. And and if you're going on the road and stuff like that, if you're a road comedian or a little warrior, you're gonna have to play that way to, to to connect to any crowd, you know. But I guess yes. But also like there's other clubs, you know, like if I pander as a Jew and then I do a Jewish room, like am I gonna do the same bits? Probably where I have to explain no. Jewish stuff. Right. So it seems weird that this guy is like he sees that that formula is in place because that's the only way. Oh, Fernbar, how fucking Los Angeles in the eighties? Uh, yeah, and he's complaining about L.A. right now. Well, you're you are in a fern bar, drinking Perrier. He's just like the perfect girlfriend. It's a movie, you know. Oh yeah, because I mean, I don't know if waitresses waitstaff likes getting hit by comedians, and then if they, you know, if they do come across, you know, and they meet someone at work and they they date, sometimes it doesn't last, or sometimes it's really ugly. There was a ridiculous thing they said in here, as if like. You know, like band members have roadies. You know, there are comics who are, there are women who just love to date comics. It's not true. That's not true. That's not true. not true. You know, I know. We're the only, we are the only, like, get up on a, like, you're an athlete or you're a musician or you're an actor. We're the only get on the stage and perform thing that does not attract women at all no yeah no it, there's no group uh groupies nope. uh nope you know, no it's weird groupies. i one aside i would say is that uh, I, uh los angeles like porn actors i guess in the 80s uh i learned this from the true hollywood story for the kid who got his tongue stuck on the pole and mm, christmas story mm -hmm. scotty smith who got into pornography but they would always go. He met a lot of people at like the comedy store because he's. Uh, they would go, be audience members at the comedy clubs. Look at the cops right behind him. Oh, they fucked up. Oh well, no. What they're doing is a pretend insurance scam in which they're claiming they're hurt and they got hit, and then when it turns out to be cops, they like. They bail. They say, "Oh, I feel better now." And I don't know. It's not funny. Oh, so they they thought it was like a civilian car behind them, and they were yeah. And then them. it was a cop. Yeah. But they got a comedy show. The show's still going on. Well, no, they're all not there yet, and Gail is freaking out because none of them. So he goes, "What about this one? What about that one? All right, put this one up." And then so they that's how they're giving um uh Mark. Champlin a shot. Ah, going, the the yes. classic. That's a classic. You know, oh shit, there no one's here and that fucking comic Spiegelman's still at the fucking bar every night. Right. Get him give, on. Give Spiegelman a shot. You know, the <laughs> last time that happened, I could see the club owner uh like shaking because there was a possibility that she might have asked me. Like she was trying to look for everyone but me. And I was like, well, I didn't really sweat it because I had a show that night. You know, uh -huh. I felt insulted, but it wasn't like I was, I didn't really, of course I would have dropped everything and done it, but yeah, it wasn't like I, I was getting a set that night. That's what I was thinking back then when I was that young. Right. But yeah, it was a little, you know, you gotta have a thick skin sometimes. So now they're like, oh, we feel better. Oh, because an ambulance showed up. 
Yeah, something like that. It's not funny. And it doesn't make sense in the real world. And Oh, there's old Colorado Avenue in the heart of Santa Monica. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, they, they got signs. They made signs and put them up. Uh, this is his big shot. It's your big chance. Right. Oh, I see. He can't believe it. Now, you know, the, it looks like valet tickets, but I'm sure it's his set. Like every time you go into a big club, I always like, I would always have my set list like prepared just in case. <laughs> I, me too. I, I have a set list in my wallet and it just sits there for the day. It's like, Mr. Kevin Hart is sick. Can you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you got, listen, Peter Aykroyd, Dan, Howie Mandel, uh, Maurice Le, oh, Le, LeBrain. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. This is this guy is is Native American, and he's doing exactly what you're talking about. He's making smoke signals, jokes. Uh, he's saying if we didn't smoke, we made up the peace pipe, and if we didn't smoke so much shit, we would still own this country. It's it's. Yeah. I, I feel bad for him. I'm insulted by the world that it has to be like this. But I also feel like Mark Chapman, so this guy who can like. If it's a white crowd that everyone's been pandering so they can get if he's on the same way, but they're all and he does this like he does the same routines that everyone else is doing. Like he steals like the only reason they're doing that material is that they can't just be themselves. They have to kind right. of they so can't he, be themselves. So he 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 says, Oh, you know what? I'll just do it, but I'll do it a white style, you know? And then uh it's it, creative it, though. It is. Well, you know, the whole like wasp. Humor in the 80s was Martin Mull, you know, the history of yeah. white people and yeah. mayonnaise jokes and stuff like that. And they're funny. I mean, there was a good mayonnaise joke in uh, The Jerk. They made a sandwich and mayonnaise. I, 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 I guess. that whole film. I don't remember. Uh... Didn't, like, his family made him a sandwich that had, like, mayonnaise on it? Or they made him some kind of sandwich. I don't know if mayonnaise was on it. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking over this guy's set. Oh, there he oh, is. Put on the voice. Let's hear him. Let's... All right. Here we go. Studio sound. No, it's not. Do you think this is really Miles' act? His real act? No, I don't. What's interesting about this guy is he was a descendant of Steinway and Sons. Oh, the, the Steinway pianos? Right. And in addition to his acting career, he worked as a sales consultant for Steinway and Sons, and he pretty much hung up acting and comedy, and that's what he does now. He oh. is a top executive at Steinway, and he sells pianos. He, he wrote nonfiction books. One of them was called 88 Keys, you know. Oh, great. Oh, is he talking about a laptop? No, he's talking about the piano. Oh, he's talking about the locksmith down the street. You know, he had now, more this than guy did have a, two things, three things that were interesting. He was the, a character named Carter in Howard the Duck. Okay. Um, All right. He was in Hair in 1979 as Steve Ooh. Wright, one of the So he was a guys. singer. Yeah. And he was in The People versus Larry Flint and he as Miles, that is his real name in 96. So that's the same director, Miles Foreman. 
No, Miles Champ. Camp no, 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 but is, but the the people versus Larry Flint and Hair is the same director. Miles oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and a famous director too. Uh, His name I, in Hair was Steve Wright, and it makes me think of Stephen Wright. Oh, right. Well, you know, I know his face from the Fun House. I've, okay. I've seen the Fun House, and I know him from that movie. No, he so. was Richie in that movie in '81. Have and you I seen that? Mention no, but I saw. We saw some horror. We saw some film. Maybe it was that um, uh, performance, and one of the guys, like maybe the camera person, was associated with the Fun House. So I learned yeah. all about it. I saw it on TCM Underground. It's Toby Hooper, the guy who did uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, and that's it, what it was. We saw Eggshells. Yeah, right. We saw his film before Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Toby Hooper. Well, one of his subsequent films in the early 80s, it's like a bunch of young teens that look exactly like him, and they go to like a, a county fair, and they have like these, you know, a fun house, uh, but there's like a, a, like a monster who slaughters them. Right. And yeah. it's a film of note. Like it was well done. I haven't. It's seen really well done. People, people talk about it. He was in that. He was in a bunch of stuff, but those were the things you'd know. Dude, and... yeah. I got some great poop on. What a wasp! What a wasp! Ooh. He's got his. He's got his white guy prop. Like his. He's got his ethnic prop. He's stealing ethnic humor and making yeah. it white. He's gentrifying it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so well, they spent uh, like under under four million, just under four million dollars to make this thing. Now that's Canadian dollars, and this was backed by the Canadian Film Development Corporation. Uh, this was this this was theatrically released, and it did okay. the The internet doesn't. I, there's not even a Wikipedia page for this film. The internet forgot about this film. Yeah, you know, I used to before the internet. I had like Video Hound, and I ha and I would I would see actors. They would list the actors in the back, and Peter Aykroyd would be listed, and they'd be like, "I want to see Dan yeah. Aykroyd's brother's movie," and right. I could never find this movie. You know, so I'm really glad. I mean, the the premise of our podcast is that we can finally watch movies that we've only heard about. You know, yeah, that we didn't have access to, and now we have instant. You would access. read a you would read a fanzine. You yeah, would, and I would. It would be in the back of the, you know, but you would have to go down to the Zigfield in New York, you know, on have, Tuesday at 8 p.m. Worse, I would have to go to Kim's Video in New York and deal with those, right? I'd never been there. My brother said they're all assholes back in the 80s. Like, that was the hip video store. But, you know, right. I, in, in the 90s, there was Leather Tongue, and there was a uh, uh, place down the Lower Haight. And they had, like, snooty, uh, you know, uh, video clerks. And I, I worked in a video store in Montclair, so, you know, I, I'm part yeah. of that Melu, but... Uh, Which one was it? The one in Wachung Plaza? Uh, I think it was on Bloomfield. Bloomfield Avenue, okay. Yeah. I'm trying By to get what? Was, what's that? By what? What was it, it near? I, I, I think the it Claridge? Was, uh, it used to be, I might have been the By arcade. the Wellmont? No, not down by the Wellmont, more by the Claridge, I guess. Okay. Yeah, like kind of crisscross, you know, on, on Fullerton and like, I, I think it was. I Blue can't Blue. remember. I know that you were there, and I even visited. It might have been. Maybe it wasn't Watchung Plaza. No, Watchung Plaza. I would remember. Yes, definitely. I, I yeah, I kind of trashed the job. I I was like so hung up with my co college girlfriend that I couldn't work the summer, 
and I just lost that job. But uh, it was fun. You know, I okay, met a lot. Now they are seeing, um, they are seeing the only real comedian, uh, Andy Kaufman, the Mongo guy. Yeah. And they're like, w w let's find out. See, he doesn't talk to anybody. He considers himself, he's like kind of snobby. Like, I'm a real comedian. You guys are open micers, even though it's not called that. Um, and so they're following him. They're following his bus. Now, his bus is going to the dirt, dirt poor part of town. I don't know. What does that mean? Compton? I don't know. And, this, um, you say this in Montreal, so I don't have to beat myself in the head because I don't recognize <laughs> the bus line or the right. uh, where it parks. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't. I, God Bruce damn it. Nutter, that's his name. Bruce Nutter in the film. Nutter. That name's a little contrived. So they're following him to see where he lives, and then they're going to fuck with him. Looks like he lives in the Mexican part of town. Mm hmm. Oh, is that real graffiti or did they spray it up for the movie? Yeah, good question. Uh, you also, tell me. But if this is a real house, that's kind of sucky for them to do that. Is this an abandoned building? Is this a movie no, lot? This is, this is a poor apartment building, apparently. Yeah, and but was, when they when they shot the funny farm, was it a real building? Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. The internet, uh, there was an IMDb entry which almost didn't say anything about the film. So, uh, you know, I usually get my main information from Wikipedia, fill in the blanks with that trivia section from IMDb, and right. then begin scouring the internet for the real interesting stuff. There right. was none of that with this film. I found out all about the actors. I found out all about how it's Canadian. Okay. But it's killing me. There must be like so many comedians from Los Angeles who's been around for 40 years. They talk about it. They do podcasts. They do live streams. You can mm -hmm. hear their history. So I'm just surprised no one's really discovered this or talked about this. Maybe He's got a gun. Because it was Cami uh, Canada? Yeah. Well, I don't remember seeing it in 83. I remember E.T. Uh -huh. <laughs> now, he goes, you, Canada, you punks invade my privacy. You get, you get out of here. And yeah. he's gonna get really upset. Oh really. no, no, I take it back. Look, they did they did some work on this movie. The director had these people on cue. Will you shut up? <laughs> okay, I want you to stand in this gun. lady's apartment. And then when I say when I call you, pick up the pretend you hear them outside. Oh, look at this. He's already he made it off that one set. Yeah, he is now, since he's wall. been invited up there to perform, he's going to be you know, he's one of the regular comedians now at the Funny Farm. Things are moving quick for this guy because it's really a movie. Quick. But uh, this is all within the year. He moved in. Now he's on the phone with a TV studio going, did you make a decision about my pilot yet? Now, was this because of that set he did was so well? There was there was someone in the yeah, audience, right? There was that there, right. There was a talent scout. And they they he's auditioned now for a pilot. This just isn't the way the world works. As a guy who's made a pilot, nobody was interested in it, and then is now in the middle of making a second pilot. I assure you, America. Now I know this was a different time, but I, still, you don't just walk off the street and get offered a pilot. Let's let's put it this way, okay? Uh, 
maybe the writer and a director is so fucking bitter that in his movie, you know, the fucking young handsome guy immediately gets a pilot. Right. Just you know, vicariously. Just for the sake of the story and just for his bitterness. Now he's at Sammy's house and he sees Sammy with the picture of Philly Beekman. What's going on? Then he finds out it's my it's dad. My dad. Oh, why don't you go on stage? Be Philly Beekman's son. This guy, this guy, he plays all around the room and he's Philly Beekman's son. Give it up for Philly Beekman Jr. Right. I mean Tony. Tony Beekman. Sorry. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. There's some uh I guess uh Buddy Hackett's son was a comedian uh i don't know jackie mason's daughter and it's illegitimate she changed her name to mason she's sheba mason just so you know she, yeah she's the daughter there is also um kelly kelly uh um, um living in a van down by the river oh his brother kevin his brother is yeah, yeah. and but and they look similar you know they're okay so because Sammy's dad is uh, Philly Beekman, he's arranged for these guys to get to go there for free to Vegas. So they're flying. I don't know if they paid for uh, the from plane. what They're going from Montreal to Toronto now? They're going from Los Angeles to <laughs> Vegas. To, oh, smiling. Got a clown face clown. Oh, yeah. Look, this looks kind of like Montreal's version of Las Vegas. No, they're in Vegas. Oh, Piazzador is in Las Vegas, Carl. I so, did you think of that movie, Fake Out? Fake Out, Fake Out. There's yeah. Don Rickles. Oh, and he was, mooned him. Um, where it's at, we saw Don Rickles. Yeah, in, in Vegas. Las Vegas as well. I and believe he, that this has got to be really Vegas. I mean, they're not going to do the fake set. No, and they actually paid to get like this funny name up on the sands. Yep. A marquee. Yeah, yep. that's great. Yeah. Guy Philly Beekman. His name is Jack Carter, and he was oh Jack Carter. Yeah. So he was like in the vein of Milton Berle. Um, uh, and we should let's see I if we enjoy can... his act. You want to listen? I yeah, I do. Funny. So this has to be his act. He's not doing a character's act. This is probably Jack Carter's bit act, right? Because this band is one of the greatest bands of our day. I don't know. At night, they kind of suck. Here he is, Jack Carter. Hey, 1983. Yeah, long distinguished career. He died at 93 in Los Angeles. And like five years ago, six years ago. Yeah. I remember that. Let's see here. 93rd birthday, 2015. He's killing it. Because of his jacket. Because of his jacket. Oh, look, even how he's this, that, two, three, four. So, you know, this is interesting, Carl, because unlike I'm dying up here with Jim Carrey, right. this is contemporary comedy looking at their, uh, at, at their, their elders, I guess, yes. whatever the old comics are, uh, and they're commenting. So it's young comedians. They feel young comedians talking to the Vegas act. Right. And then we're going to see that in his hotel room after. Now, this guy was for real. He was on the, the Cavalcade of Stars, and he got his own NBC show called The Jack Carter Show. Um, he hosted uh, – there was, there was a 
there was something called the half hour Saturday night programming slot. And, and <laughs> sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. He did a show right after Sid Caesar, Carl Reiner was on it. Um, he was friends with Sid Caesar is, he gave the eulogy at his funeral. He was a frequent guest on Ed Sullivan. You know, one thing I have to say, I, I looked up Jack Carter and there was like a video of Howie Mandel talking about him. Uh-huh. Like bold, bold Howie. Yeah, well, this is this is curly haired Howie. Now Sammy, his son, didn't even come. Wow. Yeah. 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 And what's going to happen is he's going the thing's going to start off with like, "Hey, young comedians, trying to pick my brains. Welcome, welcome." But then he's going to start doing some racist stuff uh, with his. Uh, I don't know this. He's got this guy here with the the bow tie. Yeah, with the bow tie. And he's been with him for twenty years or something, and. Basically, he starts shitting on him. Yeah, I guess, uh, I mean... And the room flips, and they're against Jack Carter. The Carter's no George Clooney, is what you're saying. That's right. I don't know what a, to be a George Clooney is. You got your friends. You know, your friends, you, you've been there real life. You know, like, my friend, he gave me money for my headshot back in 82. Oh, he kissed a black man's head. Uh, yeah, look, there's Miles. He's not digging it at all. Yeah, he's not, like not digging it. And, um, yeah, so things will turn sour. He'll start pontificating about, uh, you know, you young kids. I mean, you didn't pay your dues. I cut my teeth on shitty rooms and everything. And then they'll say, like, well, when's the last time you saw a new comedian? As if, I don't know, it's, like, <laughs> it's a fake thing. Like, No, it's not true. Why don't we substitute young comedians with Zoom comedians? And old school comedians with like comedians who did it in real life, who had a, you know, you guys. But why would, why would a Kevin Hart, a Chris Rock come on down to Scotty's and check out new comedians? You know what I mean? Like, why would they? Because it's, it's a vibrant, no, that's, I think they have a solid argument. You okay. get yourself kind of stuck in a rut and you don't realize there's been generations and generations of new comedians. And that things are different from the way you, the foundation is slightly different. It's different. Oh, look at this. Yeah, he's giving them right now. He's drinks. going, come on. I, my, my drink is empty here. And he's insulting him and he's doing ethnic racist slurs. And he goes, what was that? Too smart for the room? Which I thought was a funny line. Wow. It's getting awkward now. Now it's turned sour. Now we got ah, whiskey salt. sour. Yeah. Now it's going to flip, and he's going to start getting mad at him. You young punks, you don't know what? anything. You don't respect anything. Now Jack, Jack Carter's a bit of a hothead, wasn't he? In real life, I'm not sure. Um, I kind of – I, I gonna... read about him was positive. Yeah. I know, he's, a, he's an interesting comedian. I, I have to – you know what? I'm going to go take watch him on YouTube. I'm going to see if I can find, like, a 20-minute a set or something. Well, there was one bad thing. He was in that horror film Alligator in 1980, which – which was, <laughs> I don't know why he would do that, but well, I know weird blemish on his, on his, he's, uh, well, he's been on like Ed Sullivan, like he's probably, t uh, for dozens of times. He's, yes. he was a staple on Sullivan. Yes. More than dozens. I don't know about staple, but he was one of their regular go-to guys. You want to make an audience laugh. We've got a whole, you Get know. Carter. And you young comedians, you're snorting coke with Robin Williams. I don't even know what snorting coke with Robin Williams means. 
Hey, man. When's the last time you checked out our ad? Well, why would he? But okay. No, this this is an interesting yeah, moment. It's like road comics and like locals and you know comics pitting each other against each other. You know, it's comedy. It's a good point. They came to watch his show. Also, who, as a comedian, who fucking watches shows, right? Who watches shows? Well, I mean, I, like, yeah. do you go out and see, like, a show? You're like, oh, Brian Regan's in town. I'm going to go see him. Oh, I know what you're saying. Uh, I guess the honest answer has to be no, but I'm always like, I'm going to go. Like, right. for instance, Kevin Hart was at Levity Live doing new material, which is in Palisades Park. Uh, it's, it's, it's Nyack, New York. It's really close. It's like a 350 feet. I looked at the ticket prices. I was like, forget it. Also, um, Louis C.K. was there after his disgrace. And I was like, right. this would be interesting, but I never went. Um, there's another name you would know. And he was at the uh, Stress Factory in New Brunswick. And the show was called Trying New Stuff. I uh, That's about 250 feet. I was going to go to that. I didn't. You know, so, I mean, this is all pre-pandemic talking, and actually when I had a little more of a drive in, in comedy, but you would go out and you would, you know, at a showcase, I would always watch people because I wanted to see what they were doing. I wanted to mm -hmm. see, and if they were good, you know, like Tom Rhodes, I think is a fucking genius, and mm -hmm. I watched him every time and because everything he does, oh, is this the executive? Oh, it's Brandon Tartikoff. Now, this is, NBC. yeah, no, it's Brandon Tartikoff. He had a three-piece suit. The guy behind the oh oh well, all right are they gonna go with the young guy the white guy well, who they're does like, ethnic are we material? going with the actor or are we going with the comedian and so they you know they have an argument about it and he's like well I like the comedian I think he's gonna be the next big thing but he's in the room yeah is that realistic yeah it is it's that's the way Hollywood works I mean it's heightened I would have to say the the the, the uh, writer director is making a point by having this guy accelerate and while being dissed in the room. He's while like, oh, great. They're going to diss him the moment he walks out of the room. You're great. Smiles all around. Okay, smiles. Brandon Tartikoff. Brandon Tartikoff came up with, like, Punky Brewster, came up with uh, different strokes. He wore a three-piece uh, tan suit with a vest, and he was about that guy's size. So, obviously. That's who oh, they're going for. Yeah. I don't know. I getting back to watching comics. Uh, I I mean, I like comedy, and that's why I, I definitely watch it. But uh, you know, when I would do this room, I would go to rooms that like showcases just to say hi and just to be seen there, but also to see what the comics were like and what they were well, doing. I, I always learn from that. Yeah, I I always stay in the room when there's an open mic. People like uh, my good friend Anthony Quinn, and um, I won't start naming names. I was yeah, about, but a lot of them. They go up, they do their set, and then they, like, disappear to, like, smoke pot or bullshit with the other comedians. And I never do. I always stay in the room. You know, I want to see know, what everyone's doing. Yeah, but bullshitting with other comedians will get you other sets. And also just kind of, you know, it's networking. There's many, many, many facets. To... I'm not saying talk, not, don't talk I, over someone's set. I, of course, hang out with the comedians. But I'm just trying to say that... Watching all of the comedian sets is really of value to you as a comedian. And I also just want to laugh. I want to see what they're doing, what's going on. So now he's telling the girlfriend, uh, I got the pilot, you know, and it's like his big, 
He's having his up moment so we can see him crash later. Ah, uh, hey guys, I'm singing, I got a pilot. Hey, no need to diet. I already got my pilot. <laughs> That's what he's screaming to the other guys. I got a pilot. I got a pilot. Oh, he's that comic. Yeah. Yeah. But well. they're like, what's going on? And then they find out the ugly, ugly, ugly thing that Nutter has killed himself. They went and invaded his privacy, and now Nutter went and killed himself. This will show you. Wait a minute. So the comedy store, wasn't there a suicide? I got to get my research down. There was someone jumped off a roof or something, a comedian? I don't know that story. Um, you might be right about that. No, Bruce well, Nutter has killed himself. Bruce Nutter, Mike McDonald. Not, not Michael McDonald from Mad TV or Michael right. McDonald the singer. Right. It's not Mike McDonald. Um, okay, so let's see. This was his first film, The Funny Farm, Mike McDonald. But he was in, um, there was a Jefferson Starship commercial and he played a comedian that, he was in Screwballs 2. Which we did on the show. Two. We did that on the show. You weren't there. I got, I got oh, a comic, okay. I got a comic from uh, uh, the this Mutiny Radio Comedy Fest to join me. Super Dave's Vegas Spectacular. Um, oh. I mean, he was out there. Uh, yeah. You wouldn't know a bunch of his stuff. The Ben, Chasing Robert, The Ripping Fields. I, you wouldn't know a bunch of this stuff, but he had a career, and um, he did. Uh, he died. He It was 2013. He had liver transplant surgery, and his liver failed. It was hepatitis. Wow. Liver uh, transplant. Yeah. So, but still, wow. he's known for, I don't know, this film called The Nutcracker Prince in 90, Chasing Robert in 2007. He had a career. And he also had bipolar. Okay, so here we are at his funeral. Now, what I don't understand is this guy was dirt poor, but he spent a lot of money to do everything perfectly, and he insisted on an open mic at his funeral. And that's what they're doing right now. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I, I do. Do you want to know, if Mike, at your funeral? I don't think I do. I think this is a movie. Now you saw this movie already, so you know the punchline here. But people watching at home won't know. Well, I should mention what I know is that uh, our sunshine boy was going to perform, and and Brendan Tatterkoff was going to go over to the to the comedy store and watch him, but because of Bruce Nutter's fucking prank, he can't perform. Right? I mean, the, yeah. wasn't the guy supposed to see him tonight? Yes. Mm -hmm. And then this death fucking kiboshed his career opportunity. Yes, I don't really care. Yes, that is true. That's what my takeaway was, that this asshole. Like, and for what? For being a narcissist, for doing, dying and having fake parents. I want to thank the rented parents. That, oh, they genius. are fake. You're right. You're right. Yeah, no, but they announced it. Funny? You don't think this was inventive and creative? Uh, I'm killing time until the reveal. Okay. <laughs> Let's, let's coming up pretty closely. Spoil everything. Look, okay? Lou Ferrigno. Bruce Nutter did not kill himself. It's all a big scam. He's going to open his coffin and pop out and go, don't you ever follow me home again and run away. I think it's funny. You can't wait two seconds to let it happen. <laughs> I, Right now we're having a sad harmonic yeah, music. Yeah, all the comments like, how come I'm going first for Nutter's funeral? Yeah, that's right. I Do don't you care when you go up a Nutter's funeral? Uh, no. Okay, you're first. Okay, the ghost of Nutter shows now up. Now Gail's freaking out. Ah! 
Don't you assholes ever follow me home again! <laughs> right, and look, Miles is like, you asshole, like you fucking Brandon Tartikoff. Peter Ackroyd's like, I'm gonna kill him. He runs by and he goes, wasn't that Nutter? Oh, yeah, that's the parents. The parents are like, does, does this mean we're not getting paid? Oh, boy. And then Comedians Desecrative Graveyard. By now, most all of this film was well-written in, um, in how it flows. Right. This next cut is not well done. It doesn't flow at all. All of a sudden, like, they, there's no reason for them to be all here in this <gasps> same room. Look at that. Howie Mandel is passing a joint. Yeah, yeah. He he's he's letting people smoke it and then he's gonna smoke it again? You mean because of COVID? Because of he, he's famously he doesn't shake people's hands. You know that. Oh well that could have developed yeah, he's got a uh O C D kind of germ phobia thing. Yeah, right. right. Of today. but uh, in this but in this scene he's smoking a communal joint. Right. Now it might be because it's a movie and it might be because his his paranoia hasn't developed yet. I think as comics, they they were just smoking anyway, so it was kind of second nature. Let's see. Oh. Let's talk about Howie Mandel. Sure. Uh, okay, he is Canadian. He's totally Canadian. Uh, we know him from Deal or No Deal, the the suitcases game show. Right. Um, Bobby's World. There's Canadian and England counterparts, and he's on it too. Um, he got big. As a he got little as a comedian, but then he got big on this medical drama called Saint Elsewhere, which right. you remember was a primetime show. It was on six years, and he was a doctor on it. Well, you know, fits like a glove. He took a surgical glove and he blew it up and looked like a little chicken rooster. Yeah, put it on his head. Put it on and his head. It's so like part of it was that he was a prop comic, and he was also that doctor from Saint Elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So it kind of clicked on that. Like it was. Like well, yes, yeah, nice... he was the prop comic first. It's true. St. Elsewhere didn't make him. But because of being a prop comic, he got on St. Elsewhere, and so he had six years of exposure to the public. Now, he didn't take that and go on to do a um, huge movie career. Instead, he turned it into like a voiceover career. Well, we should mention that as a bad movie uh, podcast, I mean, a, a good podcast about bad movies he was in Walk Like a Dog, which if it was on yep. YouTube, we'd be watching it, where he's like a human dog. And yes. then he's the monster under the bed or in the closet. This right. movie's like a cult film. I have people swear by this film, and I really enjoy it, too. He's good in it. So he's he's done some real cultish films. Like, this is a cult film, too, I would imagine. But, yeah, he, he well, was a He was Mogwai. the voice in Gremlins, the yeah. voice of Gizmo, and in Gremlins, too. Um, and he was in Tribulation which was a um, one of those Cloud 10 pictures. Remember we saw Cameron, what's his name? Oh, like a born-again Christian type? Uh, yeah. I mean, a, not born-again Christian, a religious, a spiritual-based. Cloud faith -based. 10 pictures is faith-based pictures, and he was in Tribulation in 2000. We know him from America's Got Talent. He was on the fifth season. But he did a lot of voiceover work. He did a lot of, uh, you know, the aristocrats and... Bobby's World was his Bobby's own. World. Yeah. He was in Pinocchio and Hansel and Gretel and Tangerine Bear and Jack. Well, the, I, you ever I don't see know, lots of voiceover work. He does. You ever see how we do it? This is how we do it. 
hey, we're in a Las Vegas buffet, and unbeknownst to the tourists, we put gold tokens in a set of food. Let's see what happens. This okay, is how now, Gail is paranoid about earthquakes. She hates it, right? And right. we find out that he sold some of their um, stand-up routines, and, and they aired in Ohio, so they're pissed. So they're pretending there's an earthquake. It's a pretty good gag. Peter Aykroyd's got them. So now she freaks out and goes, it's a quake. It's a quake. So was he fucking comic? It's was that the whole? So that's the thing. Like a comic was like, I'll, I'll seduce her. And then when I'm fucking her, we'll have the audience pretend it's an earthquake. Right. So then she comes out. It's a quake. And then somebody tips her off that it's not. She's oh, Maurice did it. He was fucking Maurice. I thought he was a cool guy. That's not cool. Well, Maurice, uh, they are all not cool. They're all in on this. And the only one who feels any pity for Gail is our star, uh, Mark Chaplin. And he's going to get into the car with her and try to, like, calm her down. Now, he, the owner's freaking out because nobody's inside spending money. Right. So he's trying to send them all back inside. What a weird scene. What a weird club. Mark Champlin is his name in the film. I, I get it mixed up because it's Miles Chapin and Mark Champlin. Anyway, he gets in there and he basically, she's like, get out, get out, leave me alone. <laughs> and he doesn't. And then she like sort of speaks her mind in her heart about how like, why doesn't anybody like me? I, I love them. They give me joy and happiness. I'm all about these comedians. And so... We're getting some feelings here. Do you think that's? Do you think uh, club owners, comedy club owners, really feel this way? I only know one comedy club owner really, really well, and he doesn't feel that way. Everybody kisses this guy's butt. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's so funny. Not since Joe Piscopo and Treat Williams have I seen such a acting combo of comedian and Ellen Burstyn. <laughs> She's you ever see Dead Heat? Job right now at the as an actress. She yeah, really, she definitely grounds this movie. Like she's given a real performance. This is a real person. It feels like. Now we saw her in My Old Man last year. That's right. Yeah, she pops up in a lot of great stuff. Like when I see her name, like I'm watching a movie and she, her name's in there, I'm like, all right, you know, yeah. or a TV show, she's because good. she's good. Now. Um, Goldie Hawn movie, what was it? Uh, Private Benjamin. That's how the the country got to know her. Yeah, um, that was a really big film. Yeah. Yeah, it was a memorable memorable scene. She was a uh, Mrs. Peacock in Clue. Right. Um, so look, uh, Mrs. Shore. I mean, uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Mrs. Miss Miss Farm. Mrs. Farm. Just feel better. Hey, can I get a set Tuesday? I'm going to let you go and just think, but if I could do seven minutes instead of five on tomorrow, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, look, he's got the congratulations telegrams. He's got his headshot. Yeah. Yeah. So this is day one of his pilot. He's already gone out there and done some of it and they didn't like it. They didn't like it. He wasn't good enough. And, and the woman is like, an, I told you so moment. because She suggested the actor. Look, you want an act, you want acting, you hire an actor. So now they're going to let him go. Do they have really? 
You wow. saw this film. He's getting fired right now. Well, they, I know this film. They say, hey, we got an actor waiting in the parking lot. He's just, he's smoking a Marlboro right now, but just give me the word. I'll give him the eye. He'll come right up. Yeah, there we go. Hey, oh, look, my character, I think my character would be great if it had more lines. Yeah, yeah. Okay, hey, listen, we're off the set. You're fired. Yeah, that's yeah. right. He goes, we're going in a different direction with your character. He goes, fine, no problem. He goes, no, you don't understand. He goes, wait a minute, are you firing me? He goes, I didn't say that. He goes, you are firing me. He goes, well, you said it. Ugh, what a passive-aggressive asshole. The, and he uh, leaves the artist's entrance. So this is Montreal with the artist's entrance? It's is this like pronounced Montreal. UBS television. So it's like C, Canadian. Yeah. They, they moved the C for Canada up and made it a U. Yeah, instead shop. of CBS, it's you. UBS, why not? You could oh, be all right. So oh, yeah. I could be a girlfriend, and he goes, I blew it. So basically, he's going to have a crybaby, I quit comedy. Yeah, not I know. Second, but then he's going to start driving home. He's going to go to some honky tonk and do like five minutes. Everyone's going to love him. And he's going to turn around and come back, and she's going to be happy. It doesn't. It's a very poorly written end. Well, okay, so I think this is kind of so far so good. This guy drives at the beginning of the year. He drives from Cleveland. He goes to Los Angeles. He's on it. He's on it. He's part of the scene. He, everyone now knows him. He's doing time. He's a regular. Uh, he takes, you know, he, gets a gentrify, he gentrifies uh, uh, an act, and then he gets a pilot. Uh, and then they kick him out even the first day of shooting. I think it's fucking this guy, the director, like just being bitter. Oh, he's in the mental ward. Yeah, Nutter. Bruce Nutter went crazy and he's now in the mental ward. And it doesn't make sense. He's gonna like say to the girlfriend, Mark is gonna say to the girlfriend, like, I don't wanna end up like Bruce Nutter. How would he look his comic books upside down? He goes, I, I have to be upside down now. That's that's my favorite line in this movie. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. So, I'm going to use the that thing line. Is, why in the world would he end up like Bruce Nutter? It it doesn't make sense in the real world. It it's poorly written. I mean, I'm I, I'm not going to really talk Go about comedians, but the, you know, this is not kind of something like this could happen. I don't know about this. Is he doing time? Yes, he. Did you stop watching the film because you knew everything up until I'm the trying earthquake? To, I do. No, okay. I, I know. Yeah, no, I'm just so trying to what, move, move our show along. Okay. So what is happening now is every day at this time, he does like 15 minutes and people come in. He's, he's, and so he's saying, it's great to be here at the funny farm. And the joke is, you know, he's at the crazy, you know. But like the joke is these guys are acting like, you know, outside crazies. You know what I mean? Like we're a crazy comedy. We're the loony bin. How come everyone's in those, uh, uh, smocks, those uh, hospital gowns, but Bruce... Okay. He's got his own, yeah. So now now he's essentially gonna... Quit. Well, right. it isn't time for him to quit yet, it, but he's really close. If I may, I have seen this movie. You have already spoiled the movie, but allow me to spoil this movie. He So he fails, right? And now he's completely burnt and bitter and he's not even gonna try again. He doesn't want to go to the club. He doesn't want to talk to the comedians. He doesn't even want to live in the same house as the waitress. And then right. the biggest night of comedy is is New Year's Eve, right? That's right. like everybody in America decides or Canada decides to go out and 
and drink and not talk to their spouses because they're watching a show or they just want <laughs> they want to go out and drink or they just want to get out of the house or they want to watch stand-up comedy on tv it's the biggest night of tell of yeah. uh, stand-up comedy is new year's eve but he won't go in fact he fucking bails on his girlfriend on new year's eve yeah and, and moves out which and know, he gets and mitzi shore i mean uh I Calls, Brennan, yeah, yeah offers him a great spot on new year's and he turns it down right which is such a no-no you no matter how you're feeling you always say yes yeah exactly. unless you really unless you're really gonna fuck it up you if know you have COVID if you're drunk you if, don't know no, your material if you're drunk oh they have assignment look at that that memory game beep red green yellow i used to love that ah, and, the, and the pay wow what a museum yeah because you, you should always take a set because they're never going to offer again if you say no the first time. That's right. They'll never offer it again. They, yeah. You, that's the memory they have. You said yeah. No. You said no. They got a Why show to run. They need no. Yeah. I mean, you know it as, a, as running a show. You sometimes you, someone does a show or there's a spot missing. You need someone ASAP. You don't need bullshit. Right. I don't need forty questions. I don't need you saying I can't do it, but I'll love another set and then follow up. That's not the reason why I'm calling you in this eleventh hour. Right. I need someone. Can you deliver? If you deliver, I'll get you another set. But right. if you don't deliver and then you keep pestering me for a set because the last time <laughs> I asked, it's gone. I, I don't have time because I have 500 people pestering me anyway. Look at Back in the day. I'll it's, never understand comedians. Clay. Right. Look, there's Mr. Shore. I, I guess he maybe is a kind of Mr. Shore. If he's you don't think they're married? But, oh, she's, she's fucking people, uh, comics, but you know they could be married. In the beginning, the juggler explained that he was the club owner and she was the manager. Oh. So I think what he does is cowardly. I think it's like it goes against everything you learn in comedy, which is that you will never stop. And you can't stop. You know, you have to take any kind of failure, just thick skin, right? You got to let it off your tail. It because does, you're, now, yeah, you're right. It doesn't make sense what he's doing, and he's not just making a mistake because he's a young comedian. It's also the author. It's the self hatred. No, but comics, you know, I mean, I relate to what he's doing. He he's self sabotaging. He's self sabotaging everything to the point where he negates himself and everything he's he achieved the year that he moved out here. You know, it's New Year's Eve. It has the year okay. is about to end, and he bails. Like he doesn't even last a year. He self destructs, and it's wrong. And I, I feel like. You know, someone told me something, Carla said, you have to think you're funny because if you don't think you're funny, then nobody in the room thinks you're funny. Of course. Of so course. even if you're not funny, you still have to think you're funny because that way you don't side with the audience when they turn on you, right? That's and, one of the only things I learned from the Steve Martin uh, masterclass I paid $96 for. Uh -huh. You got to pretend you're killing when you're up there. If you do a joke that doesn't work, move on. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So he doesn't do that because, and then, uh, I mean, that's the thing. So he should, he should show up like comics would love to say, Oh, what happened to that pilot? You were yelling about at the parking lot. How did that turn out? Right. Yeah. He's going to eat a lot of shit, but you do eat a lot of shit because it's a salt fire ship and it's things are raw and rocky and you're vulnerable on stage. And you know, I don't know. I haven't performed Carl fucking in a while. Stand up. Well, yeah. You haven't personally performed. I used to produce COVID. Yeah, COVID is exactly right. You know, New Year's Eve shows. I I produced my own because no one was high, booking me, and I said, "Fuck uh -huh. it, I wanted to perform," and I would get do shows, and you know, 
they were fun. There were great shows and I had some really good comics up there and I was able to pay them. So it was fun, you know, and we had an audience for it. I had uh, the chance to do New Year's Eve at Scotty's. I even said yes. And uh -huh. then Sandy, my wife, was like, excuse me? <laughs> We've right. been together every New Year's for 26 years and you're, you know, cancel that. You know, so I had Fair a enough. problem. Yeah. So he just broke up with her. Well, he... He came and said, I'm going home. I've left you a note. And I left goes, you a note. What? Yeah, it's essentially a breakup, even though he's not saying breakup. No, but... it's actually his set list he left by mistake. He <laughs> took he goes on the honky tonk and performs his breakup. Right. Uh, he, yeah. He pulls out his set list and he goes, Dear John. Wait a Dear minute. Dear young and the restless. <laughs> yeah. So she's mad. She is mad and legitimately so. You're a fair weather comedian. You only come out when it's nice. That's true. That's a that's a real thing. You know, there's no shame in comedy. You, ha you have to eat shit. You know, it's it's funny. Mm -hmm. But uh, even if it's on you, that's who goes. You listen. I'm a waitress, and I've seen better. I work here as and uh, the staff, and uh, I've seen better comics than you. Oh no, she's she's the greatest girlfriend. She does not insult him or hurt his feelings at all, except to call him a chicken, you know, which is the honest truth of what's going on. So now oh. it begins the long trek down Route 80. And... Symmetry, because we started off with him driving towards Los Angeles. Right. New Year's Eve, he's done. He doesn't even last a year. So he stops off at a honky tonk. He has a good set. He says, All right, I'll go back. I, I it doesn't not strong as an author and this guy was a hell of a writer uh right. this ron clark well, of course I, this I mean, is kind of early in his career yeah i i think this movie has a lot of meat on its bones i mean no, it's, it's not he started in the 60s and this is 20 years into his career and he's writing this crap but he's he's letting demons out he's he's letting the frustrations of the comedy he scene out a comedian he was a writer uh, he was never a comedian. Now he did write for a lot of. Um, okay, let so me. So this is honky tonk comedian right now. This is just some local bar. Yeah, some honky tonk. Uh, let's see, Jackie Gleason, Danny Kaye, Steve Allen. These are all you know, Smother Brothers, Pat Paulson. These are all comedians. Yeah. So I don't think Ron Clark was ever a comedian. Just, but he was around him. Right. So he knows, but he probably had friends that. Had got one yeah. instant you know he probably seen the instant success and the, the quick burnout quick and maybe crashes. he was a stand-up and the internet just didn't tell me yeah man you were great hey i'm a comedian too do you know is there how can i is there a list can i get up do you know uh, of any other rooms i have a hundred million other questions that only happened to be once i was in jersey city i was at this show just seeing a friend her name's stacy kendro she's from boston she's a feature and um I just went up to the guy and I said, look, I'm a comedian. Uh, seems like everyone's still warm and you're about to end. Uh, can I? <laughs> All right. And so I did. I went up and I did a, the set I had in my wallet, like I was saying. Yeah. Now, they had a grand piano there. So I, I said your joke about tickling the ivories and how sometimes the elephants sneeze. And it got a big laugh. So I said, okay, I'll tickle the ivories. So I sat down and I played Imagine by John Lennon, and I did Imagine There's No Yoko. Oh, it really went well. Oh, that's great. Oh, I'm yeah. glad to hear. 
Say it's not only in the movies, Carl. Even you know it happened to you. It wasn't Bernie's Bar and Cafe. Right. So he's leaving Bernie's, and the guy's like, "You are genuinely funny, and everybody loved you." And that was all it took. That's strong enough. He gets on the phone with One girlfriend set. at three in the morning. Yeah. And, and says, "I'm coming home." Hey, I just did a set, and I killed. I, I can't go to sleep. I, I'm going to go back to Los Angeles and, and pursue my dream. No, he's going to run off again. It all takes place. It's still New Year's Eve. It doesn't so what, he's asleep at 1030? No, look at the clock. It's like 4 in the morning. Yes, right. It's, but it's New, New Year's, Year's Day. Day. So this is all happening, this 180. Now she's happy because she's the perfect girlfriend. He doesn't go, how dare you put me through a breakup? And then you're, you bipolar motherfucker. No. He, he showed up to no. his work. Is he showed up to her work on New Year's Eve, the busiest night. We just said it was the biggest <laughs> night in comedy. That's right. Hey, I, I left. I left you a note. I'm going. I, I can't hack. Yeah. This is kind of a comic thing to do. Yeah. I, I can't yeah. deal. I, I'm done. Now he's back. Is he listening to George Carlin again? No. Kelly Carlin? Just, yeah, we're hearing, we're hearing inspirational music, and you can do it. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, I love the theme song. Go ahead. Put it up. Put it up. I believe right. Every, every on my mind. LA on my way. <laughs> I love this. I know what to do. It's so bad. And it's also so 83. That's it. He goes back. The movie's over. That's no scary. New Year's Day. There's Peter, late Peter Ack. A lot of people passed away. Yeah, a lot of did. Not Howie, though. It's really Howie. funny, his baby boys. Yeah, oh, it's Bobby's World. Jack oh, Blum. yeah? Did that go on to be Bobby's World? Yeah, he did a... I didn't look up Jack Blum. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it's all right. Look at my... Yeah, he was pretty he good. Put it on those girls who voluntarily hopped up on the stage and were happy about it. Yeah, you know what? I mean, what about the female performers? Do they, would they feel comfortable being in a place that allows that? Like some, some comics... Allows them. girls? To, they oh. were females who got on the stage and said, I'm into they, this. They were audience members who came to see a show. They shouldn't be up there showing their tits. Okay. Hey, we never seen Brian Sick on stage. That must be cut material. <laughs> yeah, there's Steve Allen, and his Walkman doesn't get a credit. His Walkman did not get a credit, and I was very, I thought that wasn't. That wasn't fair. Jesus Christ, Carl, what do yeah. you think of this movie? While the music still plays, don't get me I wrong. Yes, I have to say that I enjoyed it because it was stand-up comedians. I guess I have to say I enjoyed it. But it irked me that it's just like he rolls into town. He's got a girlfriend and a place to stay. All the comedians are his friends. He gets, uh, you know, becomes a regular comedian with hardly any material, and he's going to do a pilot. It's all like, ah, fake. That's not the way life works. But it's a movie. I get it. You have to accelerate. Well, it's a parody, Carl. Uh, Carl. I think this movie is good, uh, and that it, it, it I, the problem is, is that it, the whole story about the Los Angeles comedy scene in the 70s and 80s 
you know, this was 83, so it was still kind of new and had that car, fresh car smell. It wasn't stale and repurposed and regurgitated and reused, but it was their version of it. So I caught a little inside history in there. And uh, I don't know, it was like a cautionary tale, this guy, you know, of Hollywood, of this guy. Like they just take young faces and put them in uh, stuff that they can't deal with and then they Here's get the crushed. recorded material. Yeah, there we go. So. Oh, he listened to Carl, uh, 2000 year old man. Yep, Comedy is not pretty. Right. Dating Joan of Arc was the routine. Oh, just, yeah. Well, we should give a shout out to, to uh, Patrick Carlin, uh, George Carlin's younger brother, who used to be part of the show before us here on Media. The Edge of Insanity. Yeah. The Insanity with Old Rumba. Yeah. Re just, the recently married. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fans of Paul Rumba and Mrs. Christine. Uh, you know, the arc yeah. fans of Paul Rumba. Great right. material, great picking up his kid from jail. Funny comedian, Paul Brumba. Right. Not in this movie, however. So uh, one comedian didn't make the cut, but yeah, we love Paul. All right, then, rated our movie. Wow. Mm. Mm. Well, Carl, uh, yeah, that was it. We are done with that yeah. at all. We never have to go back yeah. to the funny farm. Uh, we are free of that. Next week, we are going to maybe, I don't know, we... Well, we we have I a don't film. Know, like, uh, I don't announce that film. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's, talk. let's put it this way. <laughs> the purpose of our show is to, some movies are so bad, you just can't watch them on your own. You need yeah. someone in the room. You need somebody yeah. to be part. And we always feel like because you have to listen to our podcast and watch the movie at the same time to fully experience uh, what we're doing, that we're part, that led us. We are, as a group, us, the podcast, and you, the listener, we are watching a movie together. Because some movies, you just can't make it to the end because they're so fucking bad. <laughs> and that's the scenario we have with the film, that it's in the pipeline, and we can't... The thing is, I will, in my research, be watching it alone, maybe four times. Let's talk off-air. All right, we'll talk off-air, because I watched the movie. Until a point where I had, my eyes were removed by my hands and I could no longer watch the movie. So I think I agree with you. Well, ladies and yeah. gentlemen, how about that for excitement here on Let's Watch a Full Life Movie on YouTube every Sunday on mutinyradio.fm where you can contribute to the station. Please go to yeah. mutinyradio.fm, hit their Patreon link, or go to Venmo and send them a couple bucks at Mutiny Radio. We'd love to keep this going. Uh, we, as we have been for, for years, this is part of the Mission District community. We have live shows on Monday and Friday. Uh, and if you don't want to go in person to see them, you can listen to them on Muni Radio as a podcast or streaming live. Exactly. Go to muniradio.fm. More information about our iTunes link. More information about all the shows, including what's really happening that just played before us at noon here on Sunday. Luke. So, Carl. Yeah, Luke Sayer. Luke, uh, Carl, I just called you Luke. Uh, it's me, Mark. Luke, do you, uh, anything uh, you'd like to promote? Anything coming up? I guess no. Just go to carlsucks.com yeah. and uh, you'll see all my upcoming dates, which pretty much means I'll be at Scotty's this weekend. And if there's anything else, I do list it there. So please Sounds good. enjoy. Yeah, and we have a lot of great more show coming on. So uh, make sure you, uh, now that February is done, uh, join us next week in March as we maybe show a film we can't watch. My birthday's tomorrow, February 28th. You Happy guys birthday. At the party. Oh, but you. it's Monday. Huh, birthday on a Monday. How yeah. ironic. 
Yeah. See you guys at the party. All right. See you at the party, Carl. Uh, happy <laughs> 40... 56. 56. All right. Yeah. Hey, man. Hey, I'm a couple years behind you. So <laughs> keep blazing the path for me, brother. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Take care. YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hello, Carl. Hello, Michael. Thank you for having me once again on this fabulous show. Have you? You wrote the theme song we just listened to. Very catchy. Okay. Uh, you, uh, uh, we, what we do on the show is called Let's Watch a Full Night Movie on YouTube. We are airing right now, streaming on mutinyradio.fm as we do every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we watch a movie, and we want you to watch the movie with us and listen to our podcast at the same time. Well, uh, we also would love for you to support Mutiny Radio by donating at their Patreon or Venmo account at Mutiny Radio. We uh, also drop as a podcast by our acronym you heard up front, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. We have a great YouTube channel where every movie, except for last week's, gets to be posted with the podcast yes uh and last week was a great one it lasted over two hours <laughs> and then i tried to upload it to facebook and they caught us again they caught you on facebook well one for the history books carl what is the movie this week this week we are not watching a movie it is oh. time to vote on the razzies <laughs> all right yeah that's right well uh as you know this is uh the weekend before the Oscars, and as you know, the day before the Oscars is when the Razzies get announced. What's yeah. the Razzies? Razzies have been around for 40 years, Carl. It is a celebration of the worst movie of the year. Every year, the Razzies nominate the worst supporting actress, the worst supporting mm -hmm. actor, the worst actor, the worst actress, worst director, worst screenplay, worst ripoff, worst couple. Uh, then there's usually a wild card. And of course, the worst movie of the year. Full disclosure, I am a Razzie member. And uh, full disclosure, I think the last time I voted, I voted for the Love Guru. So I'm glad to be back. Thank mm -hmm. you, Pandemic, for allowing me to see every single movie on this, which I have, with the exception of a couple. And I'll mention it during our broadcast. Uh, it's always the day before the Oscars okay. happen. The Razzies. The Razzies are announced. So we are above the curve. We're doing this special episode where we jump in. We're going to see what the nominees are. We're going to tell you, we're going to figure out what's the what's the best of the worst, the worst of the best, or the worst of the worst, right? What is it? The, the worst, worst of the worst. You're going to do the best of the worst. You're going to vote. I have a deadline on until uh, Monday, so uh, okay. I, I have time because I have a lot more as we go through this to do. So, Carl, uh, we are very excited. We're going to start the show. Let's do here are the nominees for Worst Movies, Razzie's Award. Carl, uh, do you want to kick it off? Right, unless it's the Worst Supporting Actor. Is that the first category? Uh, yeah, hang on a sec. Let me find that. 
that was in your worst supporting actor yes okay, okay so we have uh, five nominees, and a lot of these movies are on streaming services or on your Netflix, pay-per-view, Hoopla Digital. So uh, you'll you'll hear a wide variety of well-known movies and a little obscure stuff. So for the nominees are Gareth Keelan, Keegan as the muscle-bound horse trainer in Diana, the musical, <laughs> Nick Cannon in The Misfits, Mel Gibson in Dangerous, uh, Jared Leto in House of uh, Gucci, Ben Affleck in The Last Duel. So again, we're best, we're supporting actor of a film from last year: Ben Affleck, Last Duel, Jared Leto, House of Gucci, Mel Gibson, Dangerous, Nick Cannon, The Misfits, and from Diana the Musical, Gareth Keen, <laughs> Keegan. Keegan. Right, let's see Diana the Musical. Did you? Yes, so we should take a preface. This is not necessarily a movie. It is a full-on Broadway musical that was recorded very professionally. Really? Yeah, and was, like, it's pandemic-ready because this is a full, like, you would probably spend a couple hundred to see this production, and they have a very lavish, very well-done PBS or better-style presentation of the full musical, Diana the Musical, which is a terrible, campy fucking musical, right? Like, it closed. It, it closed in a couple of days or whatever, in a few <laughs> weeks. It closed uh, quicker than they thought, and they had this video. And, of course, Netflix popped it in. And so it's not necessarily a movie, but if you are a fan of the word, I like camp, you are going to like this, this uh, <laughs> musical. So and it's basically, yeah. And we'll talk about it because it's in many categories, but one of the people, I guess, I guess they're referring to her confidant who follows her through her epic as a as lady to, to queen or to princess. Uh, I think the line he's saying horse sings, trainer, the king and creed. The, no, I don't know if it's a horse trainer. I like this is her assistant. He goes, uh, okay. the king and queen decree that you must follow me. So I don't know if it's that guy or maybe like I think it's the guy she falls in love with. Like she has like a a thirst for. Uh -huh. I don't know. Uh, high camp, you know. I didn't see it because I just cannot stand musicals, so I just didn't watch it. I watched many others, but we they uh, Diana the musical has a lot of nominations and for different reasons, and we'll get to them. Keep going for worst supporting actor Nick Cannon uh, from Wild Out and the Misfits. Yeah, yeah. I've I've heard of Diana and I've heard of the musical and I've heard of Netflix, even though this is the first time I've heard them in this order. I have no idea. Tell can you tell the audience what the misfits are? Yeah, did you see it? I have seen the whole movie, yes. Okay, okay. this movie was terrible. Terrible. <laughs> I mean it just didn't make sense in the real world. You just didn't believe it. Uh the you... misfits. It was okay, heist action film, right? Directed right. by Rennie Harlan. Do we know him? He did Cliffhanger. He did uh, Speed, I guess, the first two or the first, first one. Okay. Uh, no, he didn't do Rennie. He didn't do Speed. I got him mixed up with another gentleman. But he did a lot of great 90s action films that you like. And he okay. still makes movies for a living and uh, it includes this one. The film was a box office disaster and received negative reviews. One cool thing is the desert scene was like there really was a, a sandstorm during the desert scene. They shot in a sandstorm. It was very difficult for them. 
Listen, uh, this movie wasn't good because it's just not believable in the real world. It's like they live in a fake world, you know? Right, which is not the first of these films to have this kind of heightened cadence. Uh, It is a heist film where a group, untouchable group, like the A-Team or the Losers, and they're smirky about it. They know they'll never get caught. And it's narrated by the most unnarratable, like, Nick Cannon, you know, I thought he he did fine. It's a movie the shot it was in the coat. I mean, it was one thing about these movies that we're gonna notice is that there's a weird disjointment about these 180 degree shots of one person talking cut to another person talking. Yeah. And or with like body doubles, and you never feel like they're in the same room. There's some movies that you do feel like they're giving her all and they're in a room. But the misfits had Pierre Bronson and he maybe it's because of COVID. But he would be on an airplane with a full face and full screen, and he would say, yeah. And then they would cut to everyone else in the airplane, and they'd go, yeah. And they go, well, they go, come on. And they cut back and forth, and it's like, <clears throat> was it because COVID. that's how they make these movies anyway, or and or also COVID? I don't know. There were films that were shut down and slowed down in 2021 by COVID, and we'll get to them. Yeah. This, this one obviously wasn't if they were doing that, right? It was like, yeah, it was like Ocean's Eleven. It was kind of a caper film. Yeah, where... the thing is, it's like everything works for them, and everything's easy for them, you know? Right, and right. Like, like, if you go to Ocean's Eleven, like, the guy's an acrobat, so he's flipping in the, you know, he's got superpowers. And they do it like Smoking Aces where they stop the action, change the color of the, the saved screen to sepia, and so that guy's named Wick, because when he was a kid, he used to light off firecrackers. And then they cut to him as a kid, and you know, nothing in the past is going to be bad, right? So, yeah. So, you know, I'm not worried about him. It's a flashback. What's going to happen? Doug always fucked around with explosives. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so it it was not good, and uh, Nick Cannon really had not much personality. But it's also not believable. Like, um, uh, he's at the bar talking to his daughter, right? Right. And and they're like doing this banter back and forth. It was like not believable. I, I don't. I, uh, know. It was just yeah. It was it wasn't believable. He just didn't fill the role. So Pierre that's the misfits showing I, his age too. Who who was showing his age? Pierre Bronson. Pierre, he's seventy. Pierre. He's 70, 70 years old. Then, then never mind. Yeah, he's not showing his age. That he was, yeah, he looked fine. He looked fine. Our next <laughs> I think, movie. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> our next uh, worst supporting actor is Mel Gibson. Well, wait, dangerous. didn't we watch the Misfits trailer? Let's keep talking, Carl. If uh, we need to fill time, we can watch it later. Uh, yeah, but that's cheap. That's no. Cheap you want to do it? We could, all right, keep go ahead. But you play the audio though. Okay, because I can't I'm, play the audio. That's what I'm saying. Even if I play the audio, it's going to sound muddled. You play the audio. Oh, uh, you want me to play the audio? All right. Skip ads. Skip ads. Why would you have an ad on a movie yep. trailer? It's so tacky. All right, okay. do you want me to do it then? Yeah, the channel we like is... Freaking movie trailers source. Movie trailers source. All right, ready? And three, two... One, go. You suck. <laughs> this is rated R for never going to be in the movie house. Tim Roth, right? He was good. He was in like eight scenes. 
No, but yeah, he was good. Film. He, really? Do you think he was only? No, he was in a few more scenes than that. This is the unreal world they're in, where every single person is rich. I think it was like Azerbaijan or something. Right. Well, that's a great place to shoot a movie. You don't have to follow this. You don't have to do this. Oh, he's the prince. The most wick. Yeah, he had right. He was the prince. Violet. Wick. Yeah, oh, like right. this is a good example. It's just so easy. He goes in there, just unlocks them, switches. Yeah, no, I agree. And then nothing follows up. You never see him going back. I six months later, I collected all everything. Yeah. No, you never. Yeah, that's right. So they break into a prison in Abu Dhabi, and then they steal gold, and they do it. But the thing is, it's like they got this perfect black dark room. They've got this perfect monitor. Everyone's giving the book report. It's all figured out. It's just so easy. Oh, my God. What was Nick Cannon doing? He was impersonating, like, an inspector at a prison. Yeah, right, right. Uh, I came into the Spectre prison, and I sound, you know, it was so... It's just not believable. There it is. Right, and he's, like, it was funny and everything, but it just wasn't real. Like, oh, Wick has not to dance. to a prison, and then some guy's like, yes, sir, yes, sir, just not... A very few of these scenes, you see them together. They're just like, you know, maybe a body double I saw. They took all the gold. Thank you, trailer. The trailer gives this whole movie away. Yes, because there is no twist ending. No, they get away with it. Listen, I got to tell you, that's a horrible ending in which they thought he had run off with the money, and then he changed his mind, do you remember? Yeah, because they took all the gold, they turned it into a Maltese falcon, and because they took the gold from the Muslim Brotherhood, do you remember that? That made it okay. Yeah. So we're going to steal the gold. Yeah. This fight seems stupid as fuck. Because it's not believable. She flips in a chair like she's in the Matrix. Because, 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 because they, she's tied up and she has to escape. So she flips in a circle. Not All right. Cool. So he is a good contender. Uh, just missed the mark when it came to just being a presentable action star of uh, Nick Cannon. Now, going up next, well, it's a movie I, I'm one hour into. Uh, Carl, you've seen Dangerous, right? Yes, I have. I've seen an hour into it. Shut up. Shut up, YouTube. Shut up, YouTube. And then worse is like, then, do you want me to send this ad to the phone? No, I want you to turn off autoplay. Anyway, hi, Carl. Hi. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about this Dangerous, all right? All right, okay. This, it was a fine film. It was a fine film. I don't understand why it's here on the Razzies. Now, okay, the weakest link of this film was the bad guy, right? I mean, he was all he was, Hollywood predictable. Well, he was a Hollywood like uh, villain. Like, I recognized his right. weird-looking face. I just couldn't place it. Well, that's the thing. Like, you don't need to place it. You've seen this movie before. It right. was just a Hollywood movie with the standard bad guy. You got something I want, you know? Well, that's that's the worst part. Of it. Yeah, it becomes Key Largo. They're on a their own island, which has something in it, and a bunch of gangsters are going because the guy who had it died. But un, but unfortunate for them, the dead good brother's brother is a living psychopath who's only keeps people living because he takes pills and kind of like cranky calls his, 
Right. And like Cranky calls his shrink or like in the point gross point blank. You got to help me. I'm going to go again. The, just take your pills. And the <laughs> just take your pills guy is none other than worst movie uh, actor, Mel Gibson, who is awful. I, like out of all these people, I, he did not, he phoned it in or I don't know. Literally, maybe, right? Literally. Yeah. He was on the phone. COVID calls. Uh, I thought Mel Gibson did a perfectly believable shrink guy. I don't know. And Clint Eastwood's character was kind of wooden, but that was part of his character. That was part of his character. I was part of his character, you know? And the mom was okay, and the love interest. There was that. No, she. there was no real love interest. They no. Like, Okay, the kid. I don't know. I don't see the why mom, the movie's in the Razzies. I, I like the his mom was cool. So the plot is is that uh, Scott Eastwood, right? Scott Clint's son. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, he is uh, a psychopath. He's like a Dexter. He kills a bunch yeah. of people, and now he's on these pills that, and he takes phone calls to Mel Gibson, his psych- psychoanalyst, to make sure he doesn't kill. Right. I don't do that pretty anymore. Violent. I don't do it anymore. He takes like a plastic toy and jams it fatally through some guy's uh, leg, but he keeps him there. He doesn't like finish. He doesn't crack his neck or do pull a fatality. He doesn't yeah, do a fatality. <laughs> you know, when he plays Mortal Kombat, they're like, finish him. And he's like, no, these pills prevent me from finishing them. Finish I don't him. Do that fatality. No, I don't do that anymore. I'll do a bubality, a frontality. There's no frontality. Go home. Finish him. It received negative reviews from critics for its plot and editing, though there was some praise was given to Eastwood's performance. Now, this this gold from the Japanese submarine, that's a real story. Oh, okay. Now, this well, will impress you to yeah. no end. Dangerous 2, The Inferno is in the works, and Mel Gibson has already signed on. <laughs> yeah, he just has to be in a room for a day, and then he's out. Yeah, <laughs> So it, basically, he goes to his brother's funeral as well as the bad guys, and and suddenly in real time, for the order, until the you know until the end of the running film uh, length of the movie, they they just square off and until the last man standing. Yeah, and, but I haven't seen the last half hour, so anything. But so that's Mel Gibson. Good afternoon. This is Joan Rivard uh, on the, on the Mutiny Radio, uh, Peace Drums Radio. I'm starting a little early because I noticed that last week I thought I was on time, but there was like 10 minutes of this other stuff, which I really, you know, I'm not into at all. We were talking about pornography and how cool it was or something. So it's like I, I you know, that's embarrassing to me that somebody can tune into my show and get stuff like that. No offense to the people that do it. It's just uh, not my cup of tea, that's all. It's not what I'm trying to promote. We've had an, we have enough of that. <laughs> that's covered, okay? We, we don't need to uh, be delving into that 24-7 like they've been uh, giving the impression that that's what liberals are into all the time, you know, to the world with uh, all these shows and brainwashing and everything going on. I brought some music with me. I don't have it in the machine yet. I guess I'm not completely ready. Um, let's see. The show hasn't even started yet. We have two more minutes. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, uh, I thought I'd just get on a little early to make sure I know what's on before me. I don't have much control about what's on before me, but when I leave, I'm going to put on Always Free. Actually, I don't know. That person... 
my good friend had it, but now other people have it. I'm not sure what's on that either. Uh, it, it's probably pretty good. Um, I'll listen to it for one and see. I, I do have a choice. Uh, not as much of a choice as I thought I did on this playlist. I can't find uh, Sounds of the Rainbow. That's what I would be interested in, drumming, to put that on when I leave. Uh, but uh, here we are in beautiful San Francisco. It's very sunny today, which is refreshing, but it's freezing cold. <laughs> it's still freezing cold. The wind blows, and it just cuts through you. Uh, we had a wonderful day on on Saturday. It was really warm. It, that was very, very pleasant. Um, but Sunday was lovely but cold, and, and uh, it's been cold. So um, we're here trying to make something happen, and what I call 